What COVID-19 has done has not really exacerbated health disparities, but actually ripped the, um, the covers off what really is happening in communities that have been experiencing racial and eth ethnic health disparities for decades, if not centuries. This is Community Dialogues, a program for frank discussions about race, racism, and racial justice. I'm Laura Babiak. Our guest is Charmaine Ruddock, the project director of Bronx Health Breach, a coalition that seeks to eliminate racial and ethnic disparities in health outcomes. After working for the coalition for more than 20 years, Charmaine says the COVID-19 health crisis has highlighted the inequalities communities of color face in the Bronx. So thank you for joining us today, Charmaine. You're very welcome, my pleasure. I want to start off by asking a bit of a current question. The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted a lot of disparities in health and healthcare for communities of color. Mm -hmm. um, recently, the CDC has reported that Black and Latinx people have been dying at two times the rate of white people due to COVID-19. So how has the current health crisis paralleled or exacerbated issues you've seen while working with Bronx Health for Each? So the very genesis of Bronx Health Reach is because of racial and ethnic health disparities. We are part of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's national effort called REACH, Racial and Ethnic Approaches to Community Health, which got started in 1999. And it came about because at that time, Healthy People 2010, which is um, something that's put out by HHS, the federal, the federal health agency, puts out ever so often um, a Healthy People goal. And so Healthy People 2010, as all the Healthy People over the years, uh, they just released last year, Healthy People 2030, has the aspirational goal of improving the health of all Americans. In Healthy People 2010, however, there was specific attention um, being paid to this racial and ethnic health disparity. HHS through CDC launched this initiative to address it and address it in a really um, unique way, which was to have the communities that were most affected, the communities that were experiencing health disparity, form coalitions, community coalitions, to address the health disparities in, in particular communities. So in addition to that, in the Bronx, we have been paying attention to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation County Health Rankings report that they do in um, partnership with the University of Wisconsin that points to the Bronx being the poorest in health outcomes in New York states among all New York sister two counties. So what COVID-19 has done has not really for many of us who have been working in the space of racial and ethnic health disparities, exacerbated health disparities, but actually for those who are not in the know nationally, ripped the, um, the covers off 
what really is happening in communities that have been experiencing racial and ethnic health disparities for decades, if not centuries. Um, so you said that the Bronx Health Reach and sort of the Health Reach organizations have been around since the 90s. So I guess, how have you seen what you've been doing and sort of how many people you're helping and how you're helping people change in those 20 years or so? So what we have seen since 2020, when COVID-19 first um, started to overtake this country and bring about this pandemic, is a national attention being paid to racial and ethnic health disparities, right? You can, um, for the most part, not turn on a TV station or listen to the news or see something on the internet or, or through social media that's talking about the disparities that COVID-19 has brought to the fore, brought to the forefront. That being said, for those of us, particularly those of us who have been working, not just researching and looking at health disparities in terms of what the data is showing. But for those of us who have been on the ground working in the communities that have been most affected, what we have, um, where we started is, is quite different from where we are now. For example, when we started with the REACH initiative, while communities um, had the, the latitude of saying, of the list of, of health issues where they, had, they were shown the most disparities, which one affected your community the most, and then what community action plan would you design and implement to address it? And at that point, for many of us, at least in the space of REACH, in concert with our community, we asked, for example, our community, we did a series of focus groups, Bronx Health Reach did, having community residents in those focus groups review and respond um, what we had found looking at the literature on racial and ethnic health disparities and the, the data that was there um, for the Bronx in particular. We asked people to respond to it. And a number of themes came out of those focus groups. One was a distrust of the healthcare system that people were experiencing. We asked people to respond to what we found in light of their experience with the healthcare system. And so people came out with a lack of, the lack of trust um, in the healthcare system, a deep distrust, distrust in the healthcare system. People felt that the, the healthcare providers that they interact with, interacted with or who, who provided services to them were not of the highest caliber. They felt that what they were getting in the Bronx, the kind, the quality of healthcare they were getting and the quality of healthcare providers looked quite different than a few blocks away in, a more, in the more affluent um, neighborhoods in Manhattan, for example. People were concerned that they were not allowed to advocate for themselves. For those who were on Medicaid or who were uninsured, they felt they, um, 
that the quality of care that they received was even worse than others. So when we started, we started um, with a small group of, of um, coalition members. And the disease that we focus on, the, the um, health disparity area, that we, health area we focused on was diabetes. And we were going to, basically our charge was to um, provide people with information, education around diabetes. Um, you know, how to eat, eat better, to better um, manage their diabetes if they had it, or to prevent diabetes if they had it. We, we one of the things we had learned in our focus group discussions where people felt that diabetes was something you, once a family member got it, it, it happened generation after generation. And they were astounded when we pointed out to them that in other neighborhoods where people had diabetes, there wasn't um, almost the automatic development of having to lose one's eyesight or lose limbs, that the outcomes from diabetes looked quite different depending on where you were, where you were accessing care, the quality of food that you had, um, the, the access to that quality of food because you could afford a better quality of food, more fresh fruits and vegetables, etc. So we started with... Um, with our coalition members doing the diabetes education. And then those coalition members challenged us to say, you're telling us about eating healthier. Have you looked around and seen what's available in our community? In um, we have just a handful of supermarkets as opposed to having tons of bodegas. So how can we eat healthier if we don't have the wherewithal in our community to do so? So what we've seen is a gradual broadening of our view over the years to look at some of the institutional and systemic factors that contribute to the poor health outcomes rather than just letting it reside in people's choices because people's choices are informed by the community in which they live. I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier about there being kind of a pretty consistent streak of mistrust um, by communities of color in the Bronx towards the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. um, so now that the vaccine is rolling out, albeit slowly and not perfectly. <laughs> we are seeing that higher rates of whites are getting vaccinated compared to black people, in part perhaps due to this mistrust. So can you explain mm -hmm. this mistrust a bit more and what Bronx Health Reach and similar organizations are doing to try to combat that? I think more, more people who are white are getting vaccines because they have greater access to the vaccine. There is a huge disparity when I see some of the numbers and some places are not reporting um, the, not their vaccine, vaccination rates, right? But those that are, you see, I mean, the, the disparity is there clearly. But that disparity first may have, may, may need, may hinge on the access. Where are the vaccines going to? Are they going to, um, are they going to federally qualified health centers? They, the parent organization that leads the Bronx Health, health Reach um, Coalition is a federally qualified health center. Are, and I've seen across the board, um, people are asking that question. Where are the vaccines going 
two in those communities that were the places that had the, the least amount of testing being done for COVID-19, right? The places where people, those people did, were not able to shelter in place. So once again, we have this disparity that, co that is so unique to COVID-19. We have it showing up in the, in the just the sheer access to the vaccine. But to your other question about distress, um, one of the interesting things that has happened in that, in the conversation that's going on around the distrust is linking the distrust to some of the historical occurrences, the Tuskegee experiment and all of that. But the reality is that people of color have been experiencing um, racism and unequal treatment right now. So they don't have to go back in time to look at those sort of well-known, publicly recognized times when people of color, particularly African-Americans, experienced racism, um, experienced horrific care in the system. For many of them, that's a living, experience right now. And so one of the things I've heard um, some folks say, say and I, I think there is really legitimacy to it, is we have had the experience of, of not getting the best care for, for much of our lifetime. When we look at our experience, look at our family's experience, when we go um, to our neighborhood health centers, we, um, we have to wait weeks, maybe months to get an appointment. When we actually keep our appointment, we're in there for hours. Um, conditions that would be unacceptable elsewhere. But these are the conditions that we experience quite a lot in terms of our, our care. So what is going on with this vaccine and you pushing it on us like and one of the things that um we've heard we've heard our community residents ask and i was particularly impressed by a community by um an experience that was recounted where a community resident said i have some questions around covid19 and the person who responded, responded honestly and transparently. The person said, look, you know, we, we don't have long-term data on COVID-19 vaccine over time. We, we admit to that. What we do have is a research that has happened that has shown through the several um, hundreds and thousands of um, people participate in the research that the outcomes are promising, right? And here's what COVID-19 is supposed to do. The COVID-19 vaccine is supposed to do. And with that honest response, what I heard was that the woman said, well, you know, I, I appreciate the honesty in your answers. I appreciate the authenticity with which you, you approach responding to my questions. And now I'm in a much better place and we'll go ahead and take the vaccine. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Charmaine. Thank you, Laura, for your invitation. Charmaine Ruddick is the project director of Bronx Health Reach. You can find out more about their work on their Facebook at Bronx Health Reach. This has been Community Dialogues. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm Laura Babiak. Thanks for listening.